you know, you can make quite a list of what is brand worthy or what's channel worthy content for your brand and what's not. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Hello and welcome to Digital Marketing Masters Season 4, where we interview authors of marketing, productivity, and sales books. And today we have a fabulous marketing guest. Ryan Sari is here. Ryan, how are you? Hey, good. How are you? Thanks, Matt. I am doing fantastic. Sun's shining today, even though we had some snow for a couple days, but that's what happens when you live in Canada. And let me read your bio so people know who you are. Ryan Sari is an author, agency owner, and marketing veteran with over a decade's worth of experience working on brands and their digital and social media strategies. His book came out in December 2021 as a resource for any marketer or business owner looking to get serious with their digital efforts. And your book is called Building Your Digital Strategy. And I haven't read the whole thing. I took a little look through the beginning of it and I was, I was kind of digging in and I noticed that probably one of the best things about it is you kind of lay out a roadmap in the book. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that roadmap for digital strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And as I talk through this, just so your listeners know, uh, I think Matt has it in his show notes too. If you go to roadmap.digitalstrategysprint.com, you can kind of follow along with the, the process here. So yeah, this, the subtitle of the book is Every Step from A to F. And that kind of throws people off that it's not A to Z, but that's intentional. So yeah, just in my years of working in agencies and being asked to pitch ideas constantly or have a quick, great social media campaign on the fly, I've been able to develop a, a roadmap and a process that I think works for any size brand, any type of company when it comes to building out a comprehensive marketing strategy that has specific applications in the, in the digital and social world. So I don't know, Matt, is it best if I just jump into the outline of what, what that process is? Yeah. Why don't we, we kind of go over the outline and then, yeah. And then we'll talk about, you know, a little bit about each one. Sounds good. So so it's A through F. I'll give you the, the letter and what that stands for. So A is for alignment. And what I mean by that is goal alignment. Probably anyone in this world, in this space of marketing, understands how important goals are. And when it comes to digital, it's important to figure out what those big company brand goals are and then figure out what's actually possible for digital and social marketing in that space to accomplish that goal. So we can dig into that more later, what that means. B is for brand identity and audience identification. So brand, incredibly important when it comes to digital. The main thing I'll say about that is you want every piece of content and channel that you have to look like it's coming from the same brand, the same person, regardless of where it lives at on the internet. And then audience alignment, again, not something I have to be preachy about by any means for this audience. But once you know who it is, you're actually trying to target. That helps you to make a lot of decisions going forward with the strategy build. Then C is content strategy. So this is the one that I feel like in the conversations I have that 
your average person struggles with the most. How do I create content at a scale that makes sense and is affordable with the resources that I have as a brand or as an agency? How do I do that at scale? How do I launch a new channel and fill it with content that's purposeful? And for me, this is really critical. And for me, this also is important to call out that it comes before we start talking about channels and where we want to actually place content at is that we have a strategy in place for what we're going to create, why we want to create it and and who it's for. So that's C. And then D is distribution. So distribution also meaning the channels that you're actually going to utilize, whether that's a social channel like Twitter or Facebook, whether that's email, could be podcasting as we're doing now. (laughs) Had more conversations lately about things like Discord as a marketing channel. So where are the places and what are the best practices for those places that we want to actually distribute the content that we create on? And E is for evaluation and measurement. So we've built this whole plan now. We have our goals. We know the content we want to make. We know where we want to place it. What's the actual process that we're going to use to evaluate and measure that plan now? How can we develop a path to ROI potentially? Hugely important part, in my opinion, of of this process too is setting KPIs and measuring them and making adjustments to your plan along the way. And then F is for finding ideas. One of the things I stress in the book is this isn't just about digital, but this is about you know marketing as well. And one of the things we're called on as marketers often is to find ideas, to come up with great campaigns, to pitch something that's going to move the needle for a brand. You think about having all of those elements in place that I just laid out, goals and content and audience You've got so much to draw on now to find those ideas that are going to make an impact for a business. So that's the A through F outline. Happy to to jump into any one of those or all of them and go deeper together. I like that F is the four letter word find and not the other four letter word that usually <laughs> goes along with what happens when you try a marketing campaign the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something super interesting that came up you know, it's funny that you were talking about most of your conversations lately have been around on distribution. I've been talking about things like Discord. Uh-huh. And I had conversations with people about Discord for the last like week. Okay. No one has ever asked me about Discord before <laughs> that, right? Yeah. Except for like, what's Discord? Because my kid <laughs> uses it, you know. But yeah, we've been using Discord for a long time, right? If you're if you're a gamer of any kind, right, you've had access to Discord. And just for those who don't know, Discord is kind of like a message board that also has audio channels and you can leave text messages and stuff. It's kind of like a fancy version of Usenet from back in like the 80s, which is <laughs> weird. But anyway, history repeats itself pretty often. I think it's it's interesting, you know, the, the topic of like membership in marketing as a marketing channel is hot, I think. And that's kind of where Discord has started to find a a place for itself, I guess, outside of the gaming community. Anywhere where people collect, right, is where you can build community. And it's just finding either creating your own space or finding a space that's not invasive, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Private privacy is huge as well. So A was for alignment, right? And we're not talking the Dungeons and Dragons alignment, like (laughs) lawful good people. (laughs) 
there's a couple kinds of, of alignment there that you talked about. And I think they're both super important and they're all, it's almost like it should be a and a dash one and a dash two or something. Cause it's goal alignment, right? Is the, what you're trying to accomplish with your marketing going to also accomplish the objective of the business, right? But then there's marketing alignment, which is more like, is this in line with what the prospects or customers are looking for? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about once you actually get to, you know, selling something <laughs> and, and marketing a product or a service, yeah, then there has to obviously be alignment with the needs of the audience that you're after. There's a huge failure in alignment in most social media marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Okay. A company that makes anything, let's just randomly select some corporate product. How about tree crushing machines? Okay. They go on their social media and it's like happy donut day. Oh man. <laughs> You're just like, come on, this has absolutely no value to the person who would actually want a tree crusher is a real thing, by the way. But anyway, there's like just just no value or alignment there, right? Or someone is a SaaS company, you know, their product does something to do with in like an AI writing tool and their social media talks about like something in the news that's completely like they're trying to do news jacking or something that was, you know, a valid strategy 10 years ago. But I mean, there's just the, the failure of alignment is obvious. Yeah. And I, I go hard on that issue in the brand section of, of my book. You know, I, I aligned that with do these things have anything to do with your brand or not? You know, you can make a, quite a list of what is brand worthy or what's channel worthy content for your brand and what's not. I'll give you an example from my, a real example from my agency life that I worked on a computer provider, <laughs> pretty big brand. And one day a client came and said, what are we doing for World Oceans Day? And <laughs> I think we all kind of looked at each other, blank stares, mouths open, all thinking, what is World Oceans Day, first of all? Yeah, first of all. Um, and secondly, what does this have to do with selling computers? And it was just one of those classic examples where a brand just has it in their head that like, I've got to jump on this trend. I've got to be part of this hashtag day, whatever it is, even though it has nothing to do with my brand. And so you put your team to work on a graphic and content, all those things for something that just does has nothing to do with the goals that you have as a brand in a business for your digital marketing. You know, the Dolly Parton challenge is, was the most recent one and may the fourth be with you every year are things that like most people just don't need to spend time on. Interestingly, I've seen some some pretty horrific examples of these things recently. One of them wasn't a client of ours. It was a client of somebody that we collaborate with. And their social media person that they have on staff is apparently using one of those systems that tell you what the most popular hashtags are. Okay. But they're not trying to find relevant hashtags, just the most popular ones. And so they put out a post about an event that they're having at this kind of upscale tourist facility. And one of the hashtags they used was hashtag VAG, like V-A-G, oh, no. which I'm pretty sure has nothing to do with their upscale <laughs> facility, right? 
we've been searching our brains trying to even think what would they possibly like could does it stand for something else like does it just seem like it's inappropriate but yeah we haven't come up with any we think they just copy and pasted it and didn't realize it but i mean these kind of failures happen all the time right you shouldn't be celebrating world pancake day unless your company makes pancake batter or you're having a pancake breakfast for you know people who are homeless or your customers right there's no other reason to do this no totally agree drives me crazy i don't want to keep talking about it the whole time because it just gets me pissed <laughs> off all right so let's talk about we, we talked a little bit about brand identity already why don't we kind of go all the way to content strategy because i think that's where people have the failure right is they don't know what to make they don't know what to create usually that's because even if they have a purpose Usually they don't know what to make because their only purpose is how do I get more sales? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. I think the classic example, again, the most relevant one today is the brand that launches the TikTok channel. They get their first video up that says, come check us out on TikTok. And the next 60 days are crickets, <laughs> you know, because there hasn't been a strategy developed for what are we doing? Like, what, what's our purpose? behind pushing content to a channel like this in the first place? Is our audience here? Do we convert our goals on a place like TikTok? What's our capacity as a brand to create short video content? I don't know how many TikToks you've made, Matt, but the ones I've done, they're not easy. <laughs> for <laughs> No, they're not easy. And, and it takes a lot more time than you would think. Yes, absolutely. If you haven't done it before, especially it takes more time than you would imagine to produce something meaningful. So yeah, a content strategy is, is laying out how is my team, the resource again, the resources and tools I have again, going to create content at a pace that makes sense for us at a scale that makes sense for us. You know, what's missing from our team to be able to get where we want to go if we don't have it yet. And it's really just putting that, that plan together for, how do I fill my calendars with meaningful content for a 12 month or quarterly basis? What, however you approach that. It looks different for everyone. And there's some, some tried and true strategies that I laid out in my book that I think are really helpful for people to think through, you know, filling out calendars with meaningful content. But, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it. It just comes down to figuring out what makes sense for you and aligning that with the goals that you have as a brand. I think that one of the biggest failures in content strategy that happens is something that you did mention. There's a disconnect between what is the skill set and budget that we have on hand compared to what do we need to create to make this meet our goal? Yeah, for sure. And it can be both directions, right? It could be like you've got the staff and the equipment and 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 all of that but you've got terrible creative ideas or it could be you have big creative ideas and no staff and no equipment i think one thing that i see that happens a lot is somebody from what i would say a non-marketing role but is somewhere in the management chain or somebody who has the ear of a manager and this has been happening for decades this is not a new problem right they say you know it'd be great let's go on TikTok and we'll make a video where this happens and then this happens and this happens and this happens. And it's some kind of story and it may or may not be a great idea, but also you're like, okay, well that's going to take equipment, lighting, 
actors, like special effects, you know, like there's all of this equipment and, and time and money and stuff that's going to be have to be spent to make this thing happen, which, you know, usually they won't have. But the biggest problem there is not the disconnect between what it would take to make it and what it is. It's that someone who is not in marketing is creating that content because they've seen a TV commercial or they've seen a TikTok video. So they now suddenly have an opinion on it that they think is valid, which it probably is not. Yeah, that's that's a big challenge. And if you're the if you're the person that's on the other end of that conversation, <laughs> it can be a tough, tough conversation to have with someone in leadership. Somebody on LinkedIn the other day said, my favorite part of running my own business is that I don't have to run the creatives past the CEO's partner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of truth to that. I, I would say the other, you, this is a, in the similar vein is like people that do feel stuck about their content creation or feeling like maybe they want to launch a YouTube channel. You know, you Google those questions and look for answers. And a lot of time, the answers you find just have no consideration for the budget or the staffing, or the talents that you have on your team. So all of those things like just have to be part of your decision-making process, your strategizing of what are we doing to create content? It can't just be copying what you see everybody else doing as you, as you basically said there. Yeah, man, I've seen some, some pretty horrific things too. And I mean, my TikToks are not are not are not top notch yet, but you know I've been kind of messing around with the editor mostly so I could show people how to use it. But you know what's interesting is I see this decline in some of the older social media sites happening, and I don't know if you've seen it also, but like ad costs are still rising on Facebook, but the amount of people I see using it is declining, right? And the amount of time spent on those channels is declining, right? Somebody asked me the other day, they said, why do you think so many people are watching TikTok instead of Facebook? And I said, it's because there's no Wordle and Quirtle posts on TikTok, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like, I don't, I don't care how many guesses it took you. Like, it's not a strategy, right? You also don't see, you know, every time that some news channel, your local news place posts an article, you don't see a bunch of people tying up their shoelaces and rolling up their sleeves, getting ready to rumble on Facebook, right? But you don't get that on TikTok. Yeah. I mean, they the place that they're at right now, they are just able to be much more premium with their content and with the ad space that they sell as well. I, you know, I looked into a, a promotion around this time last year for a brand that we worked with. You know, they do their main piece of ad space is the sponsored hashtags page. And that ran at that time, probably more today. 75 grand for three days in that space. So that's, they are able to charge that premium right now. And because of that, their feed isn't as polluted maybe as, as some other channels are. I mean, we've run some TikTok ads and they're not, I would say they're not converting as well as some other channels, but they're also running a lot more cheaply. So we're getting a lot more exposure than other channels. But I mean, that's things like that are going to change as time goes on also. And and who knows what's going to happen in the Web3 world? I mean, <laughs> somebody putting up a buying a property in Decentraland and sticking a billboard on it is not my idea of Web3, right? Just because you can put a billboard up in a digital space doesn't make it any better than a billboard on the side of the road. 
and I, I don't hate billboards. I mean, I like digital billboards, but they're just, I mean, there's time and a place for these things, right? Which brings us to distribution. Yeah, <laughs> sure. When you talk about distribution, a lot of people think distribution, they just think how much ads am I buying kind of thing. <laughs> but what does distribution mean to you more? Yeah, it's it's the part of your strategy where you're making decisions about, you know, where does this content belong that we have decided to create? Where are the people at that we've decided that we want to reach that we think are our customers? Where are we most likely to get the kinds of conversions and KPIs that we've decided in our goal setting that we want to reach? Maybe it is TikTok ads that are going to help us to get there. Maybe it is launching a podcast that's going to help you to, to get to those places. But again, it's it's kind of all, you know, these different pieces going from goals to your brand and your audience, then to your content, they're, they're layering on top of each other. And so we've gotten then to distribution. And it's, you look back on all these other things that we just developed. Where does it make the most sense for us to invest, you know, our limited time and resources and budget into to meet all these goals and, you know, brand identity and audience that we've, that we've created and said that is true for us. So that's what distribution really means for me is, is being very thoughtful and strategic about how you utilize those resources and goals in choosing the places you want to be. Cause it's, I mean, here's the other thing that we started to get to as marketers, we get real excited about the flashy new thing <laughs> often and just want to jump on the clubhouse or whatever it is because it's new and other people are excited about it. But again, when it comes to being strategic, we've got to think a little bit deeper about our resources and our time and what's actually going to move the needle for ourselves or the brands that we represent. I think there's a real, I don't know what you would call it. There's something to watch out for is the kind of bias that we have towards different platforms, you need to pretty much be like platform agnostic, right? Like, yes, you don't care about, you know, your previous thoughts on that platform. You need to look at what are the current demographics and, and how much use it's getting and stuff like that. And most of that information is available online. You just got to also make sure that you check the dates of stuff when you're looking it up online. <laughs> Good Lord. Like, <laughs> You know, I was looking up something on, on Reddit the other day, which was hilarious because I looked at it and I was like, this doesn't sound right. And I looked at the date and it was 10 years old. Oh my. I'm like, good Lord. Like, why is Google giving me this as a search result for starters? Oh, wow. But anyway, I still hear people tell me things like, oh, well, TikTok's nothing but a bunch of teenage girls right. doing lip syncing. And I'm like, it hasn't been musically for like six years or something. Like, come on. I mean, there's... 40 and 50 year olds all over TikTok right now. Yeah. I was just sharing with someone how every person will have a different answer right now about what TikTok is. Um, if you ask your teenage cousin, it, it is dancing and, you know, making those kinds of things. If you ask my brother, who's 31, he gets all his recipes from TikTok. <laughs> if you ask my mother, who's in her 60s, you know, she watches comedy, funny stuff on TikTok. So, yeah. The algorithm is really good. Yes, it is. It's excellent at kind of training itself to figure out what you want. Yeah, exactly. So 
But uh, your point about being platform agnostic, I think is incredibly true. You know, there's some platforms that I even choose just not to really dive into that much because I don't want them to cloud my view of what that platform actually is and what it's actually useful for. I saw a, a thing on LinkedIn again the other I've been using a lot of LinkedIn lately. I saw another thing on LinkedIn where they asked about Elon Musk buying a what, 9% ownership or whatever it is in Twitter. And they were like, what changes do you think he's going to make? And the, the number one answer was no one cares. <laughs> it was like 80%. I'm like, sorry, Twitter, but yeah, unless you're a journalist or you're looking for to complain to an airline, there's not a whole lot of Twitter use lately. <laughs> but I mean, there is for some industries, right? I mean, some some people are crazy about the Twitter I still use it, not that much, but... I mean, uh, I, I built a strategy for a, a mobile gaming company a couple of years ago. And again, it was a situation where resources were limited and staffing was a little unknown at the time. So we we couldn't be on every channel. So we were trying to identify what are the best ones to be on. And, and in the research, we found that something like over a billion tweets are sent every year about gaming and esports. And it was like... This wasn't on my radar, but based on what we've dug into, this is a place where we need to establish a voice for this for this brand. So yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's hard to predict sometimes where you're going to end up going with those choices for distribution. <laughs> I had a client, and I was like, "It sounds like most of the audience we're trying to find for this product are going to be on you know places like you know Twitch and Patreon and kind of these creator." type live streamer type places and they hadn't heard of any of them right like it's just like it was so far off their radar that they didn't even know it existed wow right and so you have to remember that there's a lot more platforms out there than you most people think of right yeah for sure you know i was digging through some old email i saw my sign up email from 2005 for myspace (laughs) and i was like geez it's a long time ago and i poked open myspace and it's got all this stuff about new bands touring and things on it you know, it's like the Bandcamp social media site. Right? <laughs> Bandcamp, if you don't know, is where new bands put their new music. You can follow bands and download their music and stuff like that. But yeah, so there's there's tons of that kind of stuff out there that nobody really knows about. Yeah, yeah. You know, evaluating and measuring is 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 letter E there in the strategy list. It is a bit more difficult now to do any kind of real solid measurement compared to you know, what was available even a few months ago. But that seems to be only on the conversion side. Do you have any thoughts on measuring things now? Since I know it's changed since your book came out. <laughs> since December? Since December. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely true that measuring things like purchases have, have gotten more difficult. You know, we I still have clients that were able to get some decent conversion data on. But ultimately, I mean, the point of, having a step in the process that's about evaluating and measuring, you know, comes down to what were those goals that we had in the beginning? Were they generating leads? Were they more sales? Were they growing your followers for whatever reason that might be building that, what I would call a matrix for deciding what are those numbers that make the most, or that are the most important to you that you think are necessary to be successful for your brand online is where this goes. And, you know, hopefully, you know, sales is going to, is going to be part of that for a lot of people, 
I've worked with others where it's things like app downloads or it's hours of time spent playing the game on their phone, whatever it is, you know, this is where you put those things down and you as a team or as an individual to say, this is, these are the numbers that are the most important for us to be successful. So let's track against these and let's put a plan in place for how often are we going to check these? How often are we going to make tweaks to the plan based on what these numbers are telling us? Yes, it's, <laughs> there, are, there are definitely parts of that that have grown to be more difficult in the past year in particular. I think most people's strategy is look at it as often as possible and <laughs> make judgments and changes at any time, which is not a good strategy. Yeah, that's part of the, the strategy has to be how often are we going to consider changes? <laughs> how often are we going to report on metrics, you know, internally or externally? Because, yeah, you don't want that to be a daily thing that you're doing. <laughs> well, for you conversion marketers out there who are listening or business owners and, you know, looking at the statistics that we can actually track, which isn't that much for podcasts. <laughs> thousands of people will listen to this episode, but by the time we get this far into it, a lot of them will have dropped off. So the remaining few of you here are going to get the magic trick for conversion marketing, which is take all your sales and export them out of your system and upload them into your advertising platform as offline conversions. And it will match them to the advertising. And if you have Zapier or something, you can do this automatically and then it'll fix your iOS conversion problem. There you go, kids. That's a great hack. It is. And not only that, you can upload that same audience as buyers in and then make lookalike audiences from them. So number or letter F, finding ideas. Where do you find your ideas? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but in my agency career, this is probably where people start at <laughs> when they come to the table is, do you have a great idea for me? You know, for me, finding ideas comes from the rest of the work that we just talked through, from figuring out who are the who is this brand, who are they trying to reach, where are the people at that they want to be at, and if it's Instagram, then like let's think of a really great idea, something that's disruptive and and different that will reach people on Instagram in particular. What's a, a hashtag campaign that aligns with the, what this brand wants to accomplish this year that we can roll out for the next quarter? Yeah, there's, there's so many great ways to, to find ideas, I think, once you get to this part. But having that kind of library almost of, of knowledge and understanding of the brand and what it's trying to do once you get to this point makes that idea, ideation phase just so much smoother. It is. You know what is a brilliant way to get ideas is to look at really old advertising. I agree. Yeah. You look at old ads, especially from the kind of the golden days of copywriting of the 50s, 60s, 70s, when they had to like take out a whole page of a magazine and they had to write like um, the equivalent of a newspaper article in that because they didn't have to convince you just to buy something. They had to convince you to like find an envelope, cut the thing out of the magazine, write a check or go get a money order, put it in there with your, you know, order slip, get a stamp, <laughs> mail it, and then wait three to six weeks to get their thing. 
And that takes a lot more conversion, like conversion copywriting than it does to just, you know, say click here. So, yeah, I mean, there is brilliant. You also have to kind of, you know, deal with some of the problems that there were in writing back in the old days. Right. You know, there's a lot of sexism and stuff in the, in the old copywriting world because it was all, you know, men writing stuff from their their, you know, advertising office. But I mean, there's brilliant stuff in the writing, though. Yeah. One of the one of those that I reference in the book even is the the Avis and, and Hertz, just for your listeners sake, you know, Avis took on Hertz and saying, basically, we're happy to be number two. And because of that, you know, we can serve you better. And I just love that ad have for a long time for a lot of reasons. But one is like, it just, it, it takes something that was true about the brand and just kind of flips it on its head and makes it into it. Instead of hiding that you're number two. Yes. Yeah. Trying to like. They embrace being number two. They're not wordsmithing anything. They're not, yeah, trying to, to hide who they really are, but just embracing who they are as a brand and, and using that to our advantage. So that's one of my favorite tactics to use. And that, and that came from that campaign in the 60s. One's as similar to that is is a fairly famous one is the is the ad of the Coors beer being cold filtered, and the ad man went through the whole process. He visited the facilities, like the production facility, saw how the product was made, looked at all their advertising. He interviewed like all of their staff, like just went through this amazingly long, comprehensive process. And the thing that he found most intriguing is that they use this cold filtering process and they swore the other people there were like, there's no other way to do it. Right. <laughs> cold filtering was the only way to filter. They hadn't invented anything else. Right. So you had to do it. And every other beer did it. He's like, yeah, but no one's saying it. He's like, you're in the Rocky Mountains. It's cool, refreshing, blah, 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 blah. We're going to talk about cold filtering. And they did that. And their brand just exploded. Like that's why Coors is the company it is today is from this advertising campaign about cold filtering when everybody had to cold filter, right? Just nobody's talking about it. Yeah. I mean, there's, it'd be hard to, to think that in 2022 that there's still a white space out there for a brand, but I think there is, you know, back then it was maybe easier to, to say, to find a white space like cold filtering. Yeah. Well, you know, I think most brands are lazy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to take the easy way out. They're going to talk about themselves. They're going to talk about their product features, right? Nobody's taking the couple extra steps to say what is actually relevant to the person who's trying to make a decision, a purchasing decision, and no one is kind of saying what is the emotional connection to the end result of the use of your product. And those are super important things. You know, there's the old saying of you don't sell somebody a drill, you sell them a quarter inch hole. Yeah, right. Right. And but what you really sell them is how are they going to feel when their friends come over and see the beautifully hung picture on their wall? That's how you sell them a drill. Right. So if you can make those steps in, in your content in step C, content strategy, <laughs> Then uh, I mean you're, you'll you'll be ahead of the crowd, right? Right, agree. So Ryan, let me ask you this: Somebody wants to get some more information on this. They want to get your book. They want to get a hold of you. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, sure. You can get a link to my book at digitalstrategybook.com. 
And it's also on Amazon. If you just search build your digital strategy and then best way to get in touch with me is through my agency site, which is digital strategy sprint.com. So yeah, those are the kind of to find the book and get in touch with me. And thanks for having me on today, Matt. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.